Well, good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you, my name's Ed, Senior Minister here at OEC. What a day. It's just, yeah. I'll do my job now. Yeah. The average person speaks 16,000 words a day. I don't think I do, but my wife does. So it's, we're, together we're a great team. I need to learn to speak more, right? That's 112,000 words a week, 6 million words a year. Of all the words that are spoken in the human language, what do you think is the most beautiful word? Love. That's a good word, isn't it? Thank you. That's a beautiful word. Freedom. That's a great word. Here's mine. You've got to try and guess it. Ready? It's something everyone needs. You can't live without it. You can't purchase it. You can't earn it. It only ever comes by means of a gift. And when you receive it, you immediately realise how much you needed it. And you can only give it to someone else if you've been given it first. Grace. God's grace. His undeserved kindness to humans is the most beautiful word in the world. It's the DNA of Christianity. It's what separates Christianity from every other world religion, along with fish stickers on cars and the overuse of the word awesome. (laughs) The entire Bible is a narrative of grace. It's not about how to find God, and it's not about how to be good enough for God. It's actually the very opposite. The story of the Bible is God coming down to earth to look for you. He's come looking for you and he knows you and he made you and there are no secrets from you to him. And he came to earth in Jesus Christ to offer you grace, his undeserved kindness. A passage that Heidi read is the story of God's grace. Now that may be new for you or it may be as familiar as that pair of old Ugg boots. But its starting point is always confronting. See there in verse 1, sentence 1? And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. When you get to go to the doctor, the diagnosis from the doctor is really important. That's why they examine you and poke you and ask you questions and do blood tests. They want to give you a diagnosis. And there is no advantage in being given a nice diagnosis if it's a complete lie. You want an accurate, honest diagnosis. And so the story of grace starts with God's diagnosis. And what God says is, humans are the walking dead. Now, don't go to zombies, right? We're spiritually dead. What that means is your heart, my heart, it's beating. We're running around all week, seven days a week, we're building our lives, we're building our profiles online, we're building our kingdoms, but we're out of relationship with God. Actually, we're often very happy to have nothing to do with him at all. Now, God, he's made us to have a relationship with him, but instead of that, we followed other masters. You see that there in sentence two and three? We follow the world. 
Now, the world is beautiful and good. The world is amazing. We can achieve moral and social utopia, the world says. We can get to Mars and beyond. But if you watch the news for one day, you realise that's a lie. Actually, if you spend a day with yourself, you realise that's a lie. Because popular solutions, education, social change, fail to produce the type of people we want to be, but we can't be. John Gray, he's an atheist, and he's the former professor of the London School of Economics, and he wrote this. There is no thread of progress in civilization woven into the fabric of history. His point is, humanity continues to be a mess, even though we keep telling us we're getting better. Project Humanity is a hot air balloon. Actually, the sentence goes on that we follow the devil. Now, some people don't believe in the devil. You know, red tights, pointy horns. I don't believe in that either, actually. What the Bible describes is a real devil with real power, and he's the king of lies. And whilst we can't see him, you can always see his work because there are six billion people who have rejected God. And that is all the devil ever wants. And we also follow our hearts. This is kind of a bit more modern, but it's not that modern. What that means is we don't look beyond ourselves, we look inside ourselves for meaning and purpose. Now, the army, 40 years ago, it would say, we're going to do recruitment by appealing to people's love of king or queen and country. Now it says, we'll recruit people by telling them to be their best self. You see, it's all now about what's inside, our authentic self. Disney, the hero, lies within. So as the world, hot air, the devil, lies, this master, our heart, it's got a really nasty underbelly. Because if all there is in your life is you, then who you are is your fault. And that's horrible pressure, isn't it? No wonder mental health challenges have going up if all the pressure is on me. God's diagnosis is confronting, isn't it? Now you can sit here and go, no, nah, it's not true. God's imaginary. That's just that, you know, religious stuff. But the reason you feel alienated from other people and the reason that you feel alienated sometimes from yourself is that you're alienated from God. And so in his Bible, in his word, he gives us his honest diagnosis. He says, you are doing what you want and that has consequences. We are spiritually dead and deserving of wrath. What that means is God is angry. It's not a popular thought, but God is angry. Now, he's not in wild fury like an out-of-control Thanos. His anger is settled, proportional, and fair. He's a holy God, and he has the right and responsibility to bring justice. And there's no exemptions or exceptions. How is this good news? Because the story of grace 
is always set against the black velvet cloth of the human diagnosis. The story of grace, the bright jewel of grace, is always set with the human diagnosis behind it. So let's see the beauty. Let's go. Ready? Verse 4, but God. God takes center stage, not you. Who is rich or wealthy in mercy? I want you to imagine silo, 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 silo of God's kindness and mercy, full, over, overwhelmingly full, has loved us. Really? Us? We want to ghost and cancel God and he loves us. Actually, what does he do? He pours the silo of overwhelming kindness on us. And he's made us alive. He's taken us from death to life. He's restored our relationship with God or got the diagnosis from the doctor and gone. All through Jesus Christ. Grace is not a nice idea. Grace is a person. You see, God left heaven and came to earth in the history of this world in the person of Jesus Christ. God's son never sinned, yet he laid down his life on a wooden cross for us. And he did it because he loves us. He did it to take our punishment for our sin and give us forgiveness and righteousness. Is there anything more beautiful? Is there anything more beautiful than that? And that he gives it as a gift to all who ask. Have a look in sentence A. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. This is what sets Christianity apart from every other world religion and atheism. Salvation, reconciliation with God, it's not a reward for being nice, nor a human achievement. It's a gift. Grace cost God everything. It costs you nothing. It is the most beautiful word in the world. And it is free to anyone who comes to Jesus honestly and trusts him. But don't today believe the myth that it is the best chance card in Monopoly. Get out of jail free. That's not what it is. No, grace is the most powerful force in the universe because grace changes people. You may not know her story, but there was a woman at a well and she uh, met Jesus. And Jesus said to her, you've, got five hus- you've had five husbands and the bloke you're living with at the moment, he's a drifter. She was no different to a common prostitute. And what happened was Jesus' grace flooded into her life and she became the first missionary to the Samaritans. There was Levi. He's a crooked businessman. He never told the truth. He was a complete crook. He met with Jesus and Jesus said, Levi, crook, follow me. And Jesus' love 
grace flooded into his life. He wrote one of the books of our Bible. There was Peter. He was one of Jesus' best friends. He failed Jesus and failed Jesus and failed Jesus. He even denied him to a slave girl. But a few days later, Jesus' grace flooded into Peter's life and changed it forever. You see, God's grace is the one thing on earth that has the power to change you and everything about you. See, God's grace changes your status before God. You can leave today saying, I'm not guilty forever. Grace defines your relationship with God forever. You can go to bed tonight saying, I'm a child of God forever. God's grace removes guilt from your life forever. God's grace assures you that you're never alone or unloved. God's grace dispels your fear of never measuring up. God's grace blows your little kingdom up and gives you a much, much better king. God's grace is the tool he uses to transform your life into a full human. And grace is so much bigger than any Instagram story you can ever put. You see, look there, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ. He seated us with the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. John Newton was a mongrel of a man. He was an arrogant man. He was a violent man. He was a drunk. He was a criminal. He was a slave trader. He sold people. He wrote, I sinned with a high hand and I made it my study to tempt and seduce others to sin. In 1747, in the midst of a storm, he became a Christian like Rollo. He received the grace of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, I now am found. I was blind, but now I see. At the end of his life, he said this, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner. And Jesus Christ is a great saviour. The world we go out to this afternoon lacks grace. You make a mistake at work tomorrow, you'll be shamed. You say something inappropriate online, you could be cancelled. All the pressure is on you. And Jesus, the great doctor, says it doesn't need to be that way. Yes, you're sick. But it is not because you haven't looked inside enough. The problem is not your relationships, as messy as they are, or your location where you live, or your life situation. The problem is you're spiritually dead. But if you humbly admit to Jesus Christ you need help, you receive grace. You see, what is Jesus in the business of? He's taking utter failures like me and like Rollo, like us and flooding them with his grace and transforming them into his service. If you're new today at OEC, we want to invite you 
to come and stand under the fountain of grace with us. You don't meet a single perfect person in this church. We are sinners. But together we have found the most beautiful word in the world. And so we meet here every Sunday and through the week, not to impress each other, but we, we meet to drink God's grace, his undeserved kindness for us. And so we trust Jesus to save us. We're bound to him and he changes our life. If you want to talk, I would love to talk and answer any question you have so you can meet the God of grace. Because God's grace is the most beautiful word in the world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a generous, kind God. That as we have followed horrible masters, you didn't give up. You left heaven, you chased us down, you gave your life on the cross, Jesus, and you did that to bring us salvation, forgiveness, death to life. Lord Jesus, may we stop looking within and start looking to Jesus, the great offer of your grace. In his name, amen.